Hello, how are you? Welcome to the latest episode of The Viewer's Cut, the podcast where four guys who have no right to criticize anything sit around and criticize stuff. Please do not look into our credentials. You will find nothing but disappointment. Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Apocalypse Now, Blade Runner, E.T., The Exorcist, The Lord of the Rings, Superman 2, Terminator 2, and of course, the original Star Wars trilogy. Why am I just naming off a bunch of movies? Have I gone insane and lost control of my faculties? Well, that's none of your business. But these movies do have something in common. That's right, they're movies for which alternate versions exist. They were released and later rearranged, redacted, re-edited, or otherwise revised before being released again. Sometimes a movie is altered for compelling and lurid reasons, but most of the time it's just so someone can make more money. With the recent announcement that Warner Brothers will be officially completing and releasing Zack Snyder's Justice League, we thought that movies with multiple versions would be the perfect topic for this week's episode. Hello, my name is Andrew Dodd, and it is my esteemed pleasure to introduce the other members of the Viewer's Cut team, starting with Mr. Adam Galloway. Hello, my name is Adam Galloway, and I am the alternate version of Andrew Dodd. Oh my god, well they say the original is always better. Next, I'd like to introduce <laughs> Mr. Mauricio Blanco. I love my friends. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, the always incomparable Mr. Ryan Haynes. hey Actually, I thought about changing my voice for this entire episode. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Alternate versions. Yay. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they right? Does anyone care? We'll find out today on the viewer's cut. McClunky. And that's all I got. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm, I will clap, but excellent, I'm holding the mic. Excellent job. That's amazing. <laughs> now we can relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the interest of time, we're going to jump right into the thick of things here. And we'll start with the first question. And that is, um, and we'll start very broad. This can be, it doesn't have to, you can uh, incite specific movies, but we can just talk generally about movies and art. Um, once a piece of art or specifically a movie is uh, finished and complete and released to the public, does anybody have the right to go back and alter that piece of work? And if someone does, who is that person? Well, when you say like a piece of art, I don't know why my brain went to this woman that trying to repaint the the Christ in this church and it just made a weird meme out of it. You remember that? <laughs> yes, that was an accident though. I think. Right, right. But immediately I went like, well, that's somebody else's piece of art and they were just trying to restore it to make it last longer and be better. And that was the consequence. <laughs> and immediately my brain went like, that applies for movies or not? The answer to that question will be very personal because I'm, I'm kind of a purist with some things. Again, I don't know. It's hard when you are uh, working with artists, the artist's perspective. You have a director that probably is very attached to an idea, a concept that they want to portray under, uh, on the screen. But then they have to deal with a production company that at the time it doesn't allow them to have the freedom they want and the creative juices are just contained because of money, because of influences, who knows? Um, so I do feel like people should have the right to 
provide their own version of their own creation? I'll preface this question with, you know, there is no right or wrong answer. And we're grappling with like basically art, art yeah. theory and art criticism, which people have been debating about for thousands of years. So we're not going to solve anything here today that Aristotle couldn't have solved. Well, we're going to uh, try, Dodd. We're about, damn it, we're going to try. <laughs> Aristotle, Aristotle ain't got nothing on us. <laughs> so, so Mauricio, to sum up, I think your answer was that it could be okay, but only the artist who originally created it has the right. Do they own that piece of art? Yes. I, I, I feel that if you painted something, it should be your own hand who repainted that painting, because if not, it, it turns into somebody else's painting. So... You can't repaint it and turn it into a monkey. Or whatever that was, <laughs> that, that blow-up doll that looks like... <laughs> whatever that thing was. <laughs> I mean, kudos to her for trying to help, but, you know, shit happens. I'm going to look it up right now. It's Please. so funny. Inspiration. Um, <laughs> um, uh, who wants to go next? Adam, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, of course I have some thoughts, Dodd. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I agree with Mauricio. I think movies are a little bit different because you have more people, uh, like more cooks in the kitchen. You have producers, you have directors. And my thoughts have always been that I don't agree with all these different cuts. I think it's a little annoying when you get to two, three. And it just, to me, I've always thought that when you're a producer and you're putting a movie together and you're hiring a director, you're hiring someone to lead the charge and have a vision and I truly believe it should be their final say. Everything should be a director's cut with producers having some sort of say. You should hire the right person that you think will make the right movie. And then when you have these producer's cuts and director's cuts and final cuts and all, it just gets confusing. And I, I'm not a big fan of it. I never have been. I would hate if I was a director and you're out there doing all these stuff, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Now it's kind of like a manager having a general manager, having an owner. I understand the hierarchy, but I just always thought that if you're hiring a director, trust him, let him make the movie, give him suggestions, work as a team, but you should have enough faith in your director to make the film that you want, that you think is best. And there's so many examples, and we're gonna talk about a bunch of them, where it's like, you should have just tr trusted the director. And I've, I, art's a little bit different. I, I don't really wanna get into art because I, I pretty much agree with everything Mauricio said, but um, that's kind of my thoughts on that, I would say. Uh, Galloway, I think you nailed it right on the head there. Uh, I have the same sentiments. I feel like the director should have the final say. And if there's any other cut and a director doesn't feel like that is his vision, I think the director should always have the opportunity to release an alternate version, a director's cut. And I think that's kind of where we're going with this whole thing with Zack Snyder getting his, his shot at uh, finally releasing the Zack Snyder cut. I agree with... Uh, much of what has been said, but we're sort of going under the impression that the director, um, that the, the work in question is always their brainchild, right? That it's their pet. Like, and, and, and Zack Snyder falls into that category. Uh, he, he, he very much went to Warner Brothers with an idea, with a vision, with a pitch. He wrote it, he directed it. But, you know, let's not forget that there are a lot of movies that are made that are inspired either by the writer or uh, sometimes the producer, right? Often producers can say, hey, there's a great book, uh, you know, Psycho or Jaws or what have you. And they say, you know, Jaws is a perfect example. Here's this, here's this really popular book. We want to make this into a movie. So sometimes a producer can feel like it's kind of their baby, right? They started it and they might hire 
just some director who to them, it's just a job, right? They didn't write the screenplay. They weren't the ones who decided, oh, we're going to make this a movie. They're just the ones who are hired to be there and say, you know, action cut, move the camera here, move the camera there. And then they, they may not be that passionate about it. So in that sense, does the director always have final say over the artistic vision of the movie? Or I can see why a producer or a writer or somebody else might kind of say, hey, I got a hand in this too. And also I'm paying for it. They should. I think Christopher Nolan's a perfect example because he produces, he writes, he directs. I mean, he does everything for his own films. Like him and his wife do all the producing. I mean, they get other uh, production companies to help distribute and stuff, but it's always produced by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan, directed by Christopher Nolan. That's, it makes the most sense to me. I mean, you're not always going to have that, but uh, Jaws, for example, Spielberg was a nobody. And I don't think they knew they were hiring the next big thing. I think they probably thought, we'll just hire this guy. He had a couple good, uh, good movies. Maybe he'll do something. And he had a lot of creative control over it. And there's no producer's cut or director's cut of Jaws. There's just Jaws. And that's the movie that they made. And they trusted Spielberg and they made the movie. And that's the way it should be. The producers can be involved for sure. They were involved a lot in that production. So I'm going to propose a hypothetical here, and it's going to be about art. Uh, we can make it about movies if we, if we want. But let's just say uh, Leonardo da Vinci comes back to life unquestionably right now. No one knows how, but no one cares. He's just back. <laughs> and he is walking around to the streets of Venice or whatever, and he does a, a media release, and he says... Uh, he says, uh, the Mona Lisa, she's not finished. Uh, I was never happy. Uh, I always intend for her to be wearing a hat. Uh, I couldn't finish the hat. Uh, the Pope, he making me rush. Uh, I have to finish the painting. Anyway, now I'm going to take a brush and I'm going to put a hat. You're gonna, she's going to look fabulous in a hat. You're going to love it. <laughs> prego, prego. Can, can Leonardo da Vinci walk into the Louvre Take Mona Lisa down, <laughs> grab a paintbrush, and paint a hat onto Mona Lisa. Is that okay? Would, would, would the world have to just say, okay, sure. I feel like as art, and even I think this is in regards to film too, they should all be time capsules of the time. So if there wasn't technology that allowed you to express what you wanted to do, or even a paintbrush that could paint a beautiful hat, if they weren't able to do that with the time they had uh, in the time period that they were from, then no, it should it should stay as a timepiece to that certain period. So does Da Vinci get to paint his hat or no? He does not. Same way as in uh, George Lucas should not have CGI'd young Anakin into the end of the original trilogy. It shouldn't have been a product of, it wasn't a product of its time. So that's interesting. Just to further that, could could George Lucas back in 1997 have re-released a special edition of Star Wars completing all of that stuff, the, the CGI Jabba and all that, well, sorry, not CGI, but he put it in the scenes of Jabba and the big uh, walking things and whatever, but used technology that they had in 1977 but now he's just got like a, a little bit of extra time and a little bit of extra money to do those things well whereas maybe the only reason in 77 wasn't that the technology wasn't there he just ran out of time could that be allowed could he go back and do it the way they would have done it then i am kind of torn 
going back to Leo walking around Venice. I love the uh, imagery <laughs> of that. Man, I don't know. I just still feel like he could be allowed to do it. I know the Mona Lisa is just uh, for us at this time is uh, a piece of history is uh, like, I mean, it's the Mona Lisa. And losing something that is already there and it's already has a impact in culture, is it's, it's tough. But I wouldn't have the guts to tell Leonardo itself like get the hell out of that painting. It's like it's it's his. He paid for the for the everything there. That let him the man do whatever he wants. We might like it more. I don't know. It's very tricky with painting because it's you you can't remake. You only have one and that's it. With movies. And with the the same situation, like with George Lucas and adding uh, a new Anakin at the end, I understand it. Logically speaking, it makes sense why he would do it, like because he had a new actor and then he had a, a newer Anakin dying younger. So why will he be older? That means Jedi's get older when they die. I don't know. It would be a, a lot of problems there that make no sense. But I don't think they approach it the right way. The way it was like, basically, it's impossible to find the originals. You have to scatter around <laughs> to find the originals because they went full like, they don't matter anymore. These are the new ones. It's a war against nostalgia for fans and people who love something. Mona Lisa is a nostalgia. If you change it, it's like, it's not the Mona Lisa anymore for most people, even though it's, it's the Mona Lisa and it was repainted by the same artist. Nothing changed it. It's just the way it looks affects us because it doesn't resonate in our uh, nostalgic thoughts about it. Yeah, you, you, you make a good point in that um, Mona Lisa is an original and there's only one of them, whereas a movie can exist in multiple versions, right? And in fact, I think that's what the fans are most angry about about Star Wars is not that he changed them, it's that he changed them and then tried to erase every version before it. Yeah so that you could no longer see them anymore. So th that would be like putting a hat on the Mona Lisa and then it's it's changed forever, right? You can't get the Mona Lisa back. Right. And he, he's, George Lucas is saying, it's my it's my movie, it's right to do it. But I, you know, I for one believe that uh, once art is released, it no longer just belongs to the artist, right? I think uh, art, art, art theory would suggest that a piece of it belongs to the viewer, a piece of it belongs to the public. Uh, once it's been made available to them, they they can take an ownership uh, over it as well. Adam, if uh, if Steven Spielberg wanted to make a new version of Jaws because he said, oh, you know, I always planned to show the shark uh, earlier and uh, it never worked. So I had to just, you know, imply that it was there with barrels and, and, and what have you and music. Uh, but that wasn't my intention. I wanted to show it right away. So uh, now with modern technology, I can I can do that. It's going to be great. How how would you feel? How would I? Feel? I'd, I'd absolutely hate it. <laughs> that'd be that'd be terrible. I, but that was his vision. That's what he wanted to do. I'm on the side of I don't agree with people doing that. I think when you say that um, that a piece of art belongs to the viewer. I agree with you, and I say you're you're going in and changing what they've already experienced like you've you're changing what everyone experienced in 1975 in the theaters just because you feel like doing it i don't agree with that because it doesn't make any sense that's not what was released that's not what you presented to the world this is the movie you made suck it up and make another 30 great movies like he's got 
I don't see why he would have to and why he'd want to. Can you make it like you're not allowed? Probably not. But my opinion would be no, leave it alone. It's perfectly fine. Even if the movie was a piece of shit. Like if they want in 30 years, they want to go back and remake Sharknado. I would have the same opinion and say, just leave it. Let it be the piece of shit that it is. Adam, I like adding to that and kind of a question for you and everyone on the table, on their own table. Um, I I understand because I when at the moment Andrew said Jaws, I was like, don't touch that. What are you doing? <laughs> Again, I, I keep falling into the idea of the nostalgia. Like Jaws is a classic. I don't know if I would feel the same way about Jaws or I don't know, um, Godfather or whatever than a movie that was released this year. So I'm wondering if it's some kind of applies like the copyright laws that is like after this amount of years it belongs to the public you think that a movie has um at the moment the same day it's released you can't touch it or you have the chance because it's new nobody is not part of the culture yet it's just yet uh, trying to find its way or after a period of time it's like okay you can't touch this because it's now graved on everybody's mind it's the part of the culture don't touch it so yeah i i don't know it's hard for me to say just because I'm, i'm pretty have a pretty strong opinion on just leaving things because it doesn't make any sense it's like right. anything like you make mistakes in life and you got to live with them and you move on you think if you learn from mistakes and something bad you did and you say i won't do that again i'm going to get better and do it better next time it's the same thing for a filmmaker whether they regret something they did in a movie or not Like it just, it doesn't make any sense why you should go back and do it. Put time and effort into something else. Like George Lucas is a perfect example because he's not doing anything else. He's just sitting with Star Wars. He doesn't, he didn't direct any other movies or write anything. Like he helped write Indiana Jones, but he's just sitting around and I'm going to go back and add stuff to Star Wars. That was a great time in my life. Let's do it again. And and then he, like, it doesn't, I mean, like just do something else. Right. Yeah, so your sentiment is uh, you shouldn't be able to rewrite history. Um, and I think that's what movies are kind of doing now. Like, they're, they're kind of doing it, like, say, for instance, uh, The Lion King. Disney has taken a classic, and they're not going to touch the original. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to reanimate it frame by frame and make it a sequel. Or it's the exact same thing, but repackaged. Uh So maybe that's the the new way of doing that is uh, just taking an original concept and just starting from scratch and doing whatever the hell they want with it, but leaving the original intact. I don't know if you guys heard, but there was this huge petition that was out to HBO to redo the last season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because they were that upset with it. And that's where we're at in this world where people have such a voice yeah. that they're actually making a petition to redo it because they weren't satisfied with it. Yet thousands of people worked hours and hours and spent shitloads of money to make the last six episodes. And what, you just go remake it and keep doing it till until everyone's happy. 75% <laughs> of the people are happy. Like, I, yeah. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. That's why the Zack Snyder cut is happening. There was a, a hashtag, right? Release the Snyder cut. Yes. Now I'm going to jump in just because I think the Zack Snyder edition or edition uh, example is a little bit different because of the circumstance that happened. 
because of the personal issue, why he had to step away. There's rumors that there was there was some tension with with Warner Brothers, and I get all that. But he did have a personal tragedy, and he stepped away from the project. So this one's a little bit different. I have a little bit of a different feeling towards it, where I'm like, you know what? It's fine, I guess. Like I, I'm not a huge DC fan. I don't care about Justice League, but I have a little bit of empathy for that because he had to step away because of personal reasons and another director came in to quickly wrap it up and changed it and all that. So I'm a little bit more sympathetic towards this situation, but George Lucas going back and doing star Wars, like, uh, uh-uh. like that, it doesn't make any sense in my head why you would do that. I think that, uh, just jumping to star Wars quickly, because I, I do think we do want to get into the justice league bit. Um, and I want to save it is that in the late nineties, early two thousands, these directors, like it was like a spell came over them and they became obsessed with CGI and CGI was going to like change movies and CGI suddenly meant they could, they could do whatever the heck they wanted and break new ground. And I, I don't think that, you know, specifically thinking of Lucas and Spielberg, I don't think they stopped to, you know, to quote a, a line from a, one of Spielberg's own movies, they became so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And it's funny that Spielberg is, you know, you watch interviews from like 2001 or 2002, whenever it was, when he re-released E.T., the special edition, in the line of Star Wars, the special edition. And there he is. And, oh, it's going to be, you know, this is what I always wanted. And we're not changing anything. We're just making it better. And then later on in interviews, he goes, sorry, (laughs) like what was I thinking? (laughs) Don't worry. You'll never see that special edition again. It's gone. E.T. was released on Blu-ray. The original did like Spielberg admits it's a mistake. So I think that right there is a fundamental indication that people, even the creator of a piece of art, people are fickle. They're going to change over time. Their opinions can ebb and flow depending on whatever factors going on in their life. And if we allow filmmakers to say, ah, you know what, this year, I feel like I'm going to, I am going to change E.T. And then next year they're like, ah, oh, no, the original was better. And then the next year they're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to put that bathtub scene back in. Like they, they, <laughs> they can't have, they can't have total free reign. Right. And I think that's what started happening with Blade Runner a bit. Like how many different cuts are there of, of Blade Runner? And eventually Ridley Scott had to call one the final cut because even he was acknowledging that I'm like, He's got 12 different versions of the same movie. Like, enough has to be enough at some point, right? Yeah. I never thought final cuts would come years after the movie was released. Usually you reach the final cut before you release it. He was making that movie for 20 years, apparently. It's one of those. If a movie gets an alternate version made, does that does that take away from the integrity of the original version? Do you think the movie starts to lose its um self-respect for lack of a better word Hmm. um if if there's different versions of it like when i think of unrated you know i I think of those like direct-to-video american pie movies you know what i mean every single every single one was like the unrated edition or the the extra boobs edition or or what have you right (laughs) the extra boob edition can can two versions of a movie exist side by side Okay, so like I said earlier, uh, a movie or a piece of art should be a product of its time. Uh, now, when it comes to like CGI, uh, you can tell that it like it 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 doesn't age well after like a couple of years. So when it comes to like something like CGI, like you, you never see anyone complaining if a video game has been remastered to have better graphics. 
Now, if it was actually CGI and not practical, to actually upgrade those the graphics of the movies, would that take away from it? Like with Star Wars, it wasn't just an upgrade on the graphics. It was like there's a scene that was completely covered by an, a giant alien walking in front of the screen, and you're like, I can't see anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why is this creature walking in front of the the the, star, the, the troopers finding the the android thing? It was very confusing. So it wasn't just like an upgrade. It was like an intervention on top of the the sh- everything. And I think if it I, had happened in real life, they would have said, cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a thing walked in front. Yeah, they would be like, sorry, a, a giant elephant just walked in front of the, the camera. <laughs> I do feel like if you do an upgrade, for example, they, they I think they haven't done it, but it wouldn't hurt too much. Like Matrix. Matrix, right now you watch like some of the visual effects that are still amazing. But you can tell the CGI sometimes went too far, especially in the second one. And you're like, oh, this didn't age well. Now, would they, if they'd redo it to upgrade those visual effects, I think maybe because it's a Matrix, I would be like, yeah, sure. Don't change the story. Don't add like a second Neo or anything. But upgrades, I think, are different from remakes yeah. or manipulation like George Lucas did. Or like, E.T. E.T. was an... I'm, I'm already scared of E.T. I'm not a fan of E.T. because I'm terrified of that dying thing all uh, awful <laughs> in the in the sewers, <laughs> just yelling in the bathroom. One of my favorite movies from my childhood uh, is Jumanji, and I feel like the CGI oh, in oh that God, movie yes. is horrible. <laughs> and if that one had an upgrade, like those monkeys, they look They're terrifying. orange. Yeah. So I feel like if that one had like a, a repass... It would be pretty a, a touch in its of favor. love. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't mind that. Yeah. So there are certain cases where I feel like a retouch up would be beneficial. Redo the monkeys. Redo the monkeys. Hashtag redo the monkeys. Yeah. Oh, Release I, it, man. Yeah. It's a movement. It started here. <laughs> Hashtag redo the monkeys. Shock the monkey. Oh, wait, I can't sing that. We don't own the rights to that. <laughs> no. You'll have to edit that out. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, Mauricio, I think it, uh, an interesting point there you made was, and, and Ryan, too, you, you capped it off with, with that monkey thing, is um, w- like, I think Lucas looked at A New Hope and some of the like uh, X-Wing, you know, the models that they used, uh, some of the compositing originally is, is really kind of screwy. Um, uh, when they're approaching the Death Star, like some of the perspective is, is kind of wrong and you watch it and you go, yeah, that, that doesn't quite look right. And I think he saw that and was like, oh man, that doesn't hold up at all. I got to change this. What he failed to realize was that what he's changing it with is so radically different than the way the rest of it looks that, and it was ephemeral and that it wasn't going to last that now 20 years later, that stuff looks really dated as mm-hmm. well. That CGI Jabba is awful looking. Uh, so much so that they had to redo it again. Um, <laughs> so... In both instances, it doesn't look right, right? And, and in that case, I would much rather, to your earlier point, Ryan, choose the effects that don't look great, but still mesh with what the rest of the movie looks like as a product of its time, rather than, to Mauricio's point, something so uh, obnoxiously out of place, you know? Whereas maybe the monkeys would work because they're already CGI to begin with. So you're not yeah. replacing CGI with something like 3D or something yeah. that's going to look really right. ridiculous. It's just it's literally just an upgrade of what they were already doing. No harm done. And that's what I was trying to say. Like uh, CGI 
always outdates itself every two years, five years, 10 yeah. years, whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, what, do we just go over it again every five, 10 years just to like make sure it's up to today's standards? Again, the painting of Christ. Like I'm sure like everyone right now is like Thanos looks great in the MCU, but I guess in like five years, Thanos ain't going to look that good. And maybe they'll have to redo him. And you know what? They they restore movies, right? Like yep. they, they restore the quality of the film while they're at it. Maybe they just touch up, you know, not radically change it, but just touch up the CGI. Maybe that just becomes part of the restoration process. Right. Mm hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about it really in depth. But an interesting example just quickly is a movie that the four of us watched uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which is a really polarizing movie, which is Star Trek, the motion picture circa 1979. Um, it was famously rushed. Adam loved it. It was famously rushed to <laughs> to the theaters and um, some of the effects weren't quite done. And uh, Robert Wise wasn't really finished with it, but there it was. So when they released the movie on DVD in 2001, they convinced him to oversee uh, a director's edition of Star Trek, the motion picture, and they redid um, some of the shots. However, they were very, very, very careful, or they tried their best anyway, to match the look of those shots so that it blended with the special effects of the time. So they weren't really improving what they'd already done. They were just adding some shots that were supposed to be there that weren't that now look like they're part of it. Interesting. Um, so it's, it's, it's just the one example I can think of, of using modern special effects to redo something, but still trying to make it look like it existed in the time period it was made. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I, that's actually a big problem I have with CGI. It's too crisp. It's too sharp. And to yeah. downgrade it, to actually match the rest, I think is very important. E even though I look at, some of the matte paintings at the beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture, which by the way, that director's edition is gone now because the effects that they rendered weren't in high def. So as soon as we upgraded to Blu-ray, none of those effects worked anymore. So now the, that director's edition has disappeared on Blu-ray. It's back to the theatrical version. Um, but even though some of those early matte paintings in that movie are, uh, when Spock's on Vulcan, some of it just looks God awful. And like, and they admitted that at the time, like they were rushed. The perspective was wrong on those matte paintings. It was, no one was ever happy with them. I still prefer that over the new stuff they did, even though the new stuff isn't garish or over the top. It's, there's just something about that old school quality and knowing that it was, like you said, Ryan, a product of the time that I appreciate it. I appreciate the models of the X-Wings flying towards the Death Star, even though it doesn't look quite right because that those are special effects that I admire. Okay, I, I have a question then. Um, has anyone liked the alternative version, like the newest cut of something? I I have. Okay, which one's that? I have like <laughs> surprised, but I really like the director's cut of the three Lord of the Rings. The I've, extended cut. Like the extended those cut. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, that's not a, like a manipulation on the effects or anything. But it's definitely a different version from the theater version. And I liked it more. But again, as a fan who wants more, but not that much more that changes or damage what I get, but actually like adds a little bit extra. I was very happy with it. So Mauricio, sorry, I have a question about those. I haven't seen them, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously, because I'd have to light myself on fire. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 
right. Um, if, um, for the extended editions, mm-hmm. sorry, I, and sorry if you said this, did they make edits to the theatrical versions or did they simply, as in, did they change what was the theatrical or did they just add in scenes that were filmed and cut for the theatrical? You know what I mean? Is it just yeah. an addition or was, was it changes? Um, I would say it was mostly uh, adding extra scenes. There's yeah. one moment in particular that I I always keep thinking about it. Uh, like I know that movie from beginning to end. I can quote the whole scene if I need to. But there's one scene where they show you the what happened with um, Saruman, which is Christopher Lee's character. In the theater version, they leave like an open uh, des- uh, destiny for him. Whereas in the remake, they show an actual ending for his character. I'm sure he lives happily ever after. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah he he's now ruling the Middle Earth and Westeros all together. But um, <laughs> he uh, yeah that was a big a big change that I think some people and honestly didn't change the rest of the films and that happened in the in the third one. It didn't change too much, and I think maybe some people watched it and they don't remember if that happened or not. I think Ryan will be an example. Like he's just nodding right now. Uh, yeah, I, I I would honestly say I don't I don't notice a lot of changes, which even. I think it's great. Yeah, it shows that it wasn't over manipulated or it changed the storyline because why would you? It's a book, but it does uh, add, add more for the fans without changing what they offer to you in theaters. Ryan, do you are there any movies that you prefer uh, a later cut of than the than the original? I know you, you you gave us these questions ahead of time, but no, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> the, the yet to be released remake of Jumanji. Uh, yes, exactly. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> With Andy Serkis as the monkey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. That'd be great. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they've really perfected monkeys. They've come a long way since Jumanji. Yeah. It's uh, amazing how great they've done with monkeys and apes how unbelievable they look and they have not progressed with sharks at all <laughs> sharks don't look any better than they did 10 15 years ago oh no you watch a lot of shark movies don't you tyrannosaurus rexes though they got right right out of the gate <laughs> right away uh adam do you have a movie that you prefer a later cut over the original cut i'll be honest i had to dive very deep there's not really any there's one example i got that i don't necessarily prefer a lot more but it's um i do like one of the scenes that was in it it was uh these um i don't know if it's classified as the director's cut of t2 but um it's interesting that the scene that i'm going to quickly talk about is be uh it's interesting because if the scene spoilers, was left in spoilers 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 spoiler yes yeah, spoilers for people that care about dark fate (laughs) uh there was a scene in t2 that i love i think it's a fantastic scene and if the scene would have stayed in they wouldn't have been able to use the plot of dark fate because it involved turning a switch off in um in arnie's head um this is just a little side note uh mauricio and i we watched uh, boondock saints um maybe like a month ago or something like that and there was two cuts and i'm like okay what's the difference between the original cut and the director's cut and the difference was four seconds. There was like four <laughs> seconds of extra blood or something like that. And it deserved its own cut because of that. It's like, why? Like, 
<laughs> okay. Just leave it be if it's like four seconds worth that they had to cut. Hey, if Tarantino gave me four extra seconds of blood, I want it. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about a film that has different endings, but on purpose, because it's part of the, the thematic, like, for example, the one that comes to mind is Butterfly Effect. That movie has one ending in theaters, another one in DVD or Blu-ray, whatever, and another one if you find it in digital. Like, it's, it has, I think, if it's not two, more than two endings, which goes with the concept. It's a movie about changing the future by alternating the past in, a, in a, any way. How do you feel about that? It's like, it's a movie concept. It's okay. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the butterfly effect, right, Mauricio? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've, see, I've seen that movie, and it was actually funny. This is a funny story. Jamie saw it. It's one of her favorite movies, and she showed it to me. And we had a different version than what she saw. Oh, fun. And she was confused at the ending. I'm like, nice. why? Why are you confused? That's not what I saw. <laughs> so then I looked it up, and I believe there's four different endings. Whoa. Yes, yes. It's, it's a, a weird number that I couldn't track, and I refused to rewatch the whole, the whole film four times for an ending that I actually didn't care that much. But it, Well, you saw the wrong ending. I don't, who knows? But uh, it's it's peculiar because it's not like a director's cut. It looks like it was intentional because that's the concept of the film, that everything can end in a different way. I would, I'm, I know that's pretty obvious that it's okay. That was the idea. But yeah, how do you feel about that? Like you never get, you never know if you're watching the one that it is and you have to rewatch it to actually get more versions of it. This sounds like that... Uh black mirror episode that they released on uh, netflix the bandersnatch where you have like different alternate endings i don't know was, was that their plan all along with the butterfly effect to be like we'll release one ending in theaters and one on dvd and one on or did they just like film a bunch of endings because they didn't know what they were doing and then later <laughs> turned it into a, a marketing gimmick like that i I don't, I, I don't think that was a plan it's actually very similar to uh, paranormal activity that had three different endings, and you can actually watch on YouTube all three endings at the same time. Whoa! At the same it's, time? It's so cool. <laughs> like three, different, I, three different yeah, screens? That was a small, a low-budget movie that was eventually picked up uh, by uh, Mr. Spielberg, who uh, insisted that they change the ending, so they refilmed it. They tested it. <laughs> And I don't. The shark explode. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the, that's that was the third one. The the they put a they put a tank in the uh, in the, in the, <laughs> in the demon's mouth, <laughs> and they and then they shoot it and it blow and the crowd loved it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember that when the shark came out of the TV screen and started eating the family. Spielberg just wants to add sharks to every single movie. <laughs> but can you imagine if every movie did that? They they, they just filmed two or three different endings and just release them differently and just to, just to fuck with everyone? Oh, no, I would hate that. I, I wouldn't watch every single film in the world more than three times <laughs> just to get something different. Which, which ending did you guys see? Yeah, it, see, it saves from spoilers, kind of, but it's Nightmare. You know, I kind of like it because I feel like it would ruin the chance for a sequel to happen. Or you get uh, four sequels for each ending. Oh, my God. Because each sequel is going to have a different <laughs> ending according to the ending that they're following. It is. Oh my God, Marisa, you just stumbled upon a million dollar idea. Studios are going to love this. The Halloween franchise would have 40 movies. Oh my God. So, so circling back, uh, since nobody asked me, 
Um, <laughs> movies, <laughs> movies that have later versions that I do like. Um, Adam, I totally agree with you with Terminator 2. That was the, the first one that came to my head that right, like bar none, I just prefer the director's cut. I like the scenes that were added. I don't think it takes anything away from the original. And in fact, I think it makes it a, a richer movie. I feel the exact opposite about Aliens. So James Cameron did the same thing with Terminator 2 that he did with Aliens. Like it was only a couple of years after it was released. I think he made a new one and he added scenes in. I don't think the scenes that he added into Aliens uh, serve the plot at all. I won't say what they are because I know not everybody's seen it. Um, I prefer it um, with those scenes removed. Now, I want to talk about Superman 2 because it it's a very similar situation to what's happening right now with Justice League. Had an original director attached, filmed quite a bit of the movie, and then something happened, it fell apart, they bring a different director in who keeps some of what the original director filmed and reshoots and shoots a bunch of new scenes. Uh, did, su- did Superman have a mustache? That's the question. Superman have a mustache? Maybe in the maybe second one. Did. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> the CGI was <laughs> only great. in one of these instances did Superman have a mustache. Yeah, they knew how to do it in 1981, <laughs> but they couldn't figure it out. Both both situations are very similar in that later on they they said they went back to the first director and said, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of money and you can complete this version of Superman that you already had and you can re you can finally use that footage you shot and make a whole new movie out of it. So I I do really like the Richard Donner cut of Superman mm-hmm. 2. It's funny that um, there were scenes with Gene Hackman that they filmed that they couldn't use anymore once the new director came in. There were scenes of Marlon Brando that were filmed for Superman 2 that when the new director came in they said we don't want to pay Marlon Brando anymore if we don't put him in the movie we don't have to pay him so they just deleted all of his scenes and he probably loved that marlon brand <laughs> yeah he probably never saw the movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's a good example now of a movie that it def- i mean i'm a purist so i always almost always prefer the original theatrical version of things so i feel like a bit of a hypocrite to say that i do prefer this richard donner cut of superman too but um, it's, it's more interesting than anything else to see these scenes that were filmed and always intended to be there, but it was because of some behind-the-scenes problem that they got removed, which is exactly what's happening with Justice League. Now, Adam, you mentioned Justice League earlier. Um, Zack Snyder uh, had a tragedy in his life, which means he had to step away. But the studio did not just say, okay, we'll put the movie on hold until you get back. Or, the st- or, not even that, the studio did not even complete the story that he was filming, right? They could have brought in a different director to at least just sort of fill in the gaps of what was already planned. This was clearly their opportunity to change that movie because they knew that Zack Snyder had, didn't have the best track record, right? Everyone went and saw Watchmen and went, ugh. And then Man of Steel came out and it was going to be a big summer movie and they all saw it and went, ugh. And then (laughs) Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which was supposed to be like Warner Brothers' answer to the Avengers. And everyone went, ugh. So I think 
you know, the studios were like, well, crap, this machine's moving. We've given Zack Snyder this like six picture deal. And this, we put all our eggs in this Zack basket and it's sinking faster than our box office returns. What are we going to do? I'm not saying they were happy about the tragedy. No one would be, but uh, I, I, I would be surprised if they were, if they weren't a little bit relieved that this was an opportunity to sort of change what Zack Snyder had planned. Right. Um, did everybody see Justice League, by the way? No, I haven't. Yes, I have. I never. I saw a bunch of scenes, but I never saw it beginning to end. But I don't care about spoilers. Same. No, uh, we're not going to get into spoilers. I just wondered what people thought. Did they like what Joss Whedon did? Did they like the sort of lighter tone that he brought in? Or do would, uh, And it's a, a weird example of again the studio was like, here we did what you wanted. You thought Batman v Superman was too dark and gritty. We brought in Joss Whedon and made it fun, and everyone went. And, and so the <laughs> studios are like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you people want. What do you, what do you people want? I, I don't know. Like, was it actually a, a six picture deal that Zack Snyder had with, with them? He has since said that his plan was to have, I, I believe, five Justice League movies Yikes. set up. Okay. Th- this was so one of five. Okay. So I mean, I just from just a viewer standpoint, like it be, it, it seems weird to go from the darkness of Dawn of Justice to the Josh Whedon style of superhero movies, fun and Avengers like type of movie. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. That's why I don't think these movies were that good because they, they were rushing everything. They just were trying to keep up with M- the MCU and they didn't. And like, I didn't like Donna justice, but I appreciated that it was at least different. And there's a lot of people that really liked Dawn of uh, Donna justice, like Batman V Superman. Like I know, like it made, I think it made more money than Justice League. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but like Justice Justice League, I believe if it didn't bomb, it barely broke even. So you would think that if this Zack Snyder cut comes out and it's popular and people are loving it, I think the producer is going to be like, ooh, like maybe we should have just put our production on hold and stuck with Zack Snyder because at least it's different. Like I, I, we don't need the same old, uh, like Josh Whedon did Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. So I, they were clearly trying to, to mimic that success. And I just think that's not the right, you know, that's not the right path to take. Just be different and get a better writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw it with our good friend Tanner uh, and it, it's such a bad film, but we, we really <laughs> enjoyed it. Like it was fun to like make fun of. Like every time Superman came up on screen, like you could just tell the mustache was like CGI'd and it was just so laughable. So it made it very <laughs> enjoyable in its own way. Uh, now, that's that's what the producers were going I for. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they definitely took it from the dark Batman v Superman and turned it into something lighthearted for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, that purist inside of uh, you, Dodd, that uh, made you like the the director's cut of Superman 2 more. It's because there were original scenes that were added back in. That's actually the purest uh, form of that movie that it would have been. And I feel like the same way right. with Zack Snyder's cut. This will be the more pure version of his original version. It's not going to be mishmashed with the second director or what have you. I I like that point he just brought up, and I think uh, Dodd reacted the same way. The you are adding scenes that were shot during production that existed and they were meant to be in the movie. You're just adding th- adding those extra things in. It's not like you years later, Lucas style. You're redoing things 
to put on top of it. So I think that's an interesting point. And I do agree that if you add some scenes that were shot at the time with the intention of adding it to the film, it's not as much of a harm as it would be if you redo something in a CGI and you just... I think that's an interesting point. I'm, I didn't think about that before. Yeah, Ryan, a great point about the 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 purist thing, uh, and I and I think you know to kind of tie this conversation back up to where we started. I think what's happening right now with Justice League is a perfect example of you, you can't just be like, okay, well we'll do this, and then if we don't like it, we'll do something else, and then if they don't like that, we'll do something else. Like to me, I don't think this version is going to be any good. Um, but I think it might be better than what was released. And I think it looks bad on the studio, right? Like yeah. why they started with, they started with something and then, you know, it's like a solo, a star Wars story, right? They started with something. And then at the 11th hour, went, we're getting cold feet, pull the brakes on this thing and do it over again. And so like, how much money has this cost them? How much money did it cost them to, uh, hire Joss Whedon to hire somebody to, maybe it was Joss Whedon, to rewrite uh, what Zack Snyder was doing with Justice League, to, to argue with Paramount about whether Henry Cavill can shave his mustache or not, to... <laughs> I, blame I, Tom, I, could... I blame Tom Cruise for this whole thing because that was impossible. That was, it's all Tom that was way of a superior movie. That argument. The Justice League was a mission impossible. Woo! Can't, can't he please shave his mustache? Like, I'll, we'll pay you the $7 to go get a fake mustache from the costume shop to complete Mission Impossible 12. Do you know who he's playing? He's playing Superman. Who's he playing? Who's, Superman doesn't have a mustache. Who's he playing in Mission Impossible? Bob Larson? Who cares if that guy has a mustache or not? Bob Larson. What does it matter? Um... Uh, no, I, I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, yeah, this is a perfect example of studio bumbling and studio interfering. It would have it cost them less money to just put the whole production on hold and say, we don't really trust you, Zack Snyder, but you've started it. You have to go. We'll wait for you to come back and finish it. I mean, that's like it would it would have still been done earlier than what it's going to be yeah. now. Right. It's like four years later. Or but. Something. I will say this, all that studio bumbling, all of that uh, switching directors and releasing this cut is just hyping everyone up more for this new cut, which is going to make them so much more money on HBO. So I don't know. Maybe it is a big chess game, and this was the long con. <laughs> the, long, the long con, yeah. Do you think if this is successful, do you think they might try to recut Suicide Squad and do a director's cut for that because I believe David Ayer or Ayer, however you pronounce his name, he there was a lot of produce. Um, the producers were meddling a lot in that and kind of changed the movie last minute or whatever. And do you think if this is successful, they're gonna try to do it with Suicide Squad? Because I know a lot of people were pissed off. With well, Suicide I, Squad too. I have like a mixed emotions here because I. I understand when when we don't know what to feel when you have a good movie that is being remade. But when you have a trash film and you try to fix it when it was already bad, I'm like, leave it alone. It's not going to... I already have the taste in my mouth. Like, I, I already I already tried this bad, uh, the, this bad thing. With adding some extra pepper, you're not going to change what you did to it. It's like yeah. it's stuck. It's not, it's not just gonna magically become Citizen Kane, no. right? If you give me a phenomenal <laughs> pizza and you're like, "Hey, you want me to add extra cheese?" I would be like, "It's not necessary. 
but I'll take it just to check it out. But if you give me a pizza of trash, don't go like, hey, you want me to just move some of that trash on a side? Like, no, it's a trash pizza. I don't want it. So those kind of movies, I would say, like, leave it alone. It's dead already. Yeah, I think there's no saving Suicide Squad. And the fact that I think it made a lot of money, I don't think they're going to redo it. Yeah, they they fixed the problem. They already cashed in on it. Yeah, they they save whatever money they spend on that. And I think nowadays, kind of going back to what we were talking about, like MCU or even Star Wars, like people might be starting not to get that ambitious or uh, crazy about superhero movies. So they probably are like, we missed that wave. Marvel is done. Why do we have to redo this? This is absurd. So so what you're saying is Hollywood is all about money. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Interesting. That. I think they will. Really? I think that, I think, yeah, because because they're not giving Zack Snyder's Justice League a theatrical release, right? It's just being streamed on oh, something, yeah. I think, right? So that doesn't cost them a fraction of what it would be to release something theatrically. So I, t- David Ayer, or whatever his name is, is already pushing for his cut of Suicide Squad, and he's yeah. trying to get it out there, and he's saying, what he says is, it wouldn't cost that much. It's literally just a re-edit, right? right? Like, for Justice League, they got to bring all these people back. So yeah, I think if I think if that's a success, then Warner Brothers will definitely start uh, seeing dollar wow. signs and going, okay, there you go. Let's try and fix the DCEU. That must make Jared Leto very happy. Uh. I think that movie. I think parts of it had potential. I think some of it was a mess, but I think a lot of what was a mess was the studio meddling. So I would I would really like to see what the original intention yeah. there was. And hey, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Let's get that. Let's get the Gareth Edwards cut of that too. Mm. The studio's monkeyed with that at the last minute, I think, as well. Don't don't forget about Josh Trank's uh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, uh, Lord and Miller's uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, I think they should remake, do a director's cut and a retouch of uh, You Got Mail and use the modern technology. So the movie goes faster, and it's like yeah, it goes straight to their phone. Yeah, you have a video call. Yeah. Hey, you get a video call. My my favorite point that was made was by Ryan when he brought up the Lion King about uh, leaving like it, it left the original Lion King completely alone, and it just it brought it into a new generation and using new effects. It did what it it made a lot of money. Some people loved it, some people didn't like it, whatever. But at least they didn't touch the original. They brought in new actors. They did the whole thing. Like I'm perfectly fine with that. If you want to keep remaking movies and reimagining movies and doing all that, sure. But if we can just leave the classics alone, they're fine. They're great. They're in the past. They're part mm-hmm. of our history. When I go to watch those 50 years from now and 40 years from now, I want to see what I saw the first yeah. time I saw nice. it. And I, I hope a lot of people agree with that. I want to see the. I, I don't. I have no problem seeing. 2019 version of Thanos. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't. You know, it, it doesn't bother me. I know it probably will bother some people, but that's what that's what that's what the that's the beautiful that's the magic of movies. That's what it's all about is revisiting and looking back and seeing part of your history of uh, of when you were growing up. And that's it's important to me. It just doesn't seem to be important to everyone. Yeah. So whatever. And, it, and if you do it many times, it becomes annoying. It's like you went to a wedding and then two months later, you get a call from the dad of the, the bride and goes like, hey, we think I, I didn't like my speech. So I think we're going to remake the wedding. <laughs> same settings, same people, same guests. And everyone has to go back and redo and go through the whole thing just because one person 
didn't like one little thing. Maybe a different wife. Maybe a different wife at this point. Why not? Maybe a different uh, groom. Maybe the guy was an asshole. To sum everything up, we don't have the answer, but it's just like, it would just be nice if some things can just stay in the past and just let let them live on forever or let yeah, them die. Yeah. Whatever, whatever ends up. If it's shit, let it be shit. If it's great, let it be great. Like, uh, Dodd, you're a big Ghostbusters fan. Would you like if they mm. re, uh, did the... Um, uh, what's his I don't, name? The... I don't think we need to talk about this. I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm just going to well, stop no. right there. I'm drawing a blank, though. What's the, na- you're not, what's the name? You're not touching you? that movie. <laughs> but what comes to life at the end? What's the name of that thing? What, the, what, the dope what, what comes to life at the end of Ghostbusters? My spirit. That's what comes to life. Yeah. But what's, My what's joy. the name of the... What's it called? Tell me what it's called. The, in the second one? The guy on the painting? I, no, he's talking about the first. I think it's called no. The oh first, yeah. Oh the the first. Oh no, the, the first the one. muffin guy. I believe you're referring to the Stay Puft. The marshmallow, marshmallow man, man. That thing. Yes, that the mar the marshmallow man. Let's redo the marshmallow man. We'll use Andy. Yeah. We'll use Andy Circus for that too. Okay, if Andy Circus is all, all right, of them, all right, then all right. I'm in. <laughs> Adam, uh, you you said something to really wrap it up there. I think we're gonna leave it at that. I have a couple of quick, very uh, lightning round questions. Woo! Don't take too much time answering. Uh, <laughs> my first question is. Uh, all that being said, is there a movie that you think is really dated that needs to be updated? Just like Ryan said about Jumanji. Is there something that they would update that you're kind of like, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Uh, I'll go first to give you guys a second to think about it. The two that I have written down are the Ten Commandments. Um, There are (laughs) scenes that are filmed in front of a blue screen. Um, Obviously, some of them needed to be. But there are scenes in some some in front of a blue screen that didn't need to be. They could have actually just gone to the desert location, which they had for other scenes, but for some reason they didn't. And it and in one scene it even cuts from Charlton Heston outside in the actual desert, and it cuts to who he's talking to, and it's Yul Brenner in a studio in front of a green screen. And especially when you cut back and forth between the two, the green screen is so or the blue screen is so obvious and looks so terrible. Mm. So I would be totally on board with going in and just like rotoscoping out that background and making it look more like an actual desert to match what they had already done elsewhere in the movie. That's number one. And number two is uh, The Terminator. I love that movie. Yes. I, I love the design of the T-800 endoskeleton. The stop motion in that movie does not hold up at all. And some of those shots look really wonky. But that goes against everything I said because people worked on that stop motion and they, Stan Winston worked really hard on that stop motion. So to redo it would be to undo his work. So I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's a product of its time too. I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, so that's me. Uh, who's, does anybody have any? Uh, I'm going to stick with Jumanji and probably anything in the 90s that like saw like the birth of like CGI and like that yeah. could be upgraded, probably something along those lines. But if it's practical effects, keep it practical. My answer, I already said it, but I don't, again, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Galway. I don't think it needs to be done. But retouching some stuff from The Matrix, not the first one, but I don't care too much about the second one. But the second one would uh, receive a nice repainting of those uh, CGI. Um, I think it would be fine. I don't know. It would be uh, tasteful, and I wouldn't mind. But overall... It's fine. I know I have a list of movies, but I can't think of any right now. And I'm hating myself because of that. For now, I'll keep it on The Matrix 2. Sure. Some of that some of that CGI Neo in the... Uh, yeah, spinning in the Neo. It's weird. Pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. 
Ryan gave the best answer. I think a lot of that early '90s uh, CGI is probably the 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 best spot to go to for stuff to remake. No one, no one's gonna be sad to see that go. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. My question to wrap up the episode is, uh, and I gave it to you guys ahead of time. We, we're all, in some degree, not professional, but we're we're all filmmakers, and yeah. each of us have have made a film or done a project that we're proud of. That being said, there's probably a high rate that in each of those projects, there's something that didn't quite turn out the way we'd hoped it did would. Um, if somebody came to you right now and said, "I will do all the legwork." I'll round up all the actors. I'll give you some money. I'll give you the equipment. I'll schedule the time. I'll do all that pain in the butt stuff. Will you go back and fix the things about your movie that you didn't like? Would you guys do it? Uh, I would probably want to, because I can think of a million things right now as you were asking that question that I'd like to change in some of my stuff, but I wouldn't. I would like to take that money and do something different. Okay, well, that's not an option. <laughs> no, I, okay. <laughs> but I would prefer to do that. I, I'm everything I've done is in the past, and I'm not in the same headspace I was when I made that movie, and I, it just wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel right to me. And I, I would, I, I, I can't. It's not actually being offered to me, but I would. I'm fairly confident that I'd be able to say no. I've thought for years of like re-editing my one doc, but uh, you know what? I agree. It's in the past and I would just want to move on. So I think I'm just going to leave it. I would say yes, I would do it. I, and I think with every single thing I've done, and I don't want to sound, I, I don't want this to give the wrong impression, but I'm, I think I'm everything I've done that I can call mine, I've done it. I started doing it because I had some faith and I trust in it. And I really like the concepts I work around at the moment I wrote whatever I wrote and shoot whatever I shoot. So I still have attachment to those things I've done. And if someone gives me the opportunity to give it, you know, take it an extra mile, I would do it. Not because I want it to look better or because I think it could, I don't know, any other reason or get money out of it. But because I wouldn't mind to revisit those things because I really like them and I have a a nice attachment to them. So mostly an emotional reason, I would say, yeah, I would do it. Maybe that's why like Ridley Scott keeps coming back to Alien. Very good, yep. What about you, Dodd? Tell me. Uh, you know what? I uh, What's different is about ours is that our movies aren't generally famous, right? <laughs> so it's not like we're, we're disappointing Speak for a yourself, bunch of fans. Dodd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, I would. I would, and I it would at least just be for me. Even if nobody else saw it, yeah, I would know that I, I have a version that I'm like, yep, I, this is what I wanted it to look like. But I would also have to tell myself at first, it's this and then that's it. Because I know for the rest of my life, I would look at it and go, eh, I'll just tweak this, eh, I'll just tweak that. And it's like, no. So maybe I'd give myself one change or one opportunity to make changes and then... That's it, done forever. Hang yeah. it on the wall. And that's all that Zack Snyder wants right now. It just his one shot. <laughs> well, I think uh, if anybody else uh, doesn't have anything else to add, I think we can wrap this episode up. Are we all, anything else? Any last minute thoughts? I think we're good. I'm good. I'm good. This has been great. I've enjoyed talking about this. And uh, Mauricio, good luck editing because there's lots of good stuff in there. <laughs> oh, thank you. This has been The Viewer's Cut. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on various platforms that Mauricio is going to tell you about right now. Yes, I'm uploading in Anchor. 
that's the main place, but you can also find it on Spotify and iTunes podcast, Google podcast, there are many other options. And uh, I'm, every time I uh, upload something, you can find it on our Facebook and our Instagram mainly. I'm also using the Twitter, but I'm terrible at it. So I would say Facebook and Instagram of the viewers cut is the best way to find us. There you go. Great. Until next time. Au revoir. See you later. See ya. Peace out.